Andy. It's Nick from Big Something. Man, I just wanted to thank you for having us on this tour. We are having such a good time. And, uh, man, you and me, we're just, we're bonding so hard. And, uh, I feel like we're becoming such good friends. Uh, would it, would it be okay if I crash in your room again tonight? Call me back. Let me know. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Andy. It's Real Nick. Um, I don't know if you know who I am. I'm the co-host of this podcast. Uh, not Nick McDaniels, real Nick, the one that, you know, actually helps you in your life by being mean to you instead of reinforcing every thought and belief you have like Nick's going to do. You know, I love Nick. Great guy. I just don't know if he's great for you, okay? So maybe you guys shouldn't be rooming together on the road. Maybe you should keep your distance. I need you to text me every day, tell me what you're doing wrong, so I can tell you that it's wrong, and that way you'll stop doing it, okay? Because I've seen you out there. You're buying shoes every day now, too. And also, let's, you know, like... The Frasco Mids thing? How many things are you going to call Mids before you just start to turn into Mids yourself? No, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! And we're back. Um, Andy Frasco's World Saving Podcast. I'm Andy Frasco. How's your heads? How's your minds? Are you not letting the music industry just fuck with your vibe? Right? That's what I'm saying, Nick? Uh, no, we're not. We're not letting that happen. <laughs> God, this industry is so fucked up. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to... Me and Nick, um, we are in Oregon right now. We finally have a day off. We have, um, we're doing, what is it, like 16 shows in 18 days? 14 shows together, I think I counted uh, yeah. over three weeks. So, yeah. Four, but we, you did five before, right? We, yeah, we started in Colorado. And we started in Utah. Yep. And you're doing one extra show. I did one, yeah, tomorrow, like a dumbass. Because you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I love money, Nick. Do you? No. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a slave to money. I realize that I'm a slave to money. No, I mean, it looks like a cool show. I think it, you, sh you should do it. it you looks know the like reason why I, I booked it? We're because it's because it's uh it's called Bruno's Tavern. Oh yeah, and What's that's dad? my dad's name. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I'll play at Bruno's Tavern. Yeah. I played at a Bruno's before. Hell yeah! So shout out to my dad. It's my guy. I'm about to see him next week. He's coming out to the LA show. Oh, awesome! Very cool. Have you ever met my parents hand on? I feel like briefly in Mexico. Weren't they at Panic oh, in the Playa? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where yeah. he, where he, um. But we never, we didn't really. We weren't that close. We weren't yet. friends quite. Quite yeah. then, so yeah. That's when he belly flopped into yeah, the Yeah, I, I was there for that. It was awesome. When Kobe <laughs> died, and he knew I was sad, he's like, I'm going to cheer up my son on stage. And he's like, I'm like pointing at my dad. He's pointing back at me. He's like, I'm going to do it. I might do it. And he just pulled. He's a big boy, so he pulled off, <laughs> he pulled off his shirt. My mom was so embarrassed and just fucking belly flopped into that motherfucking pool at the end of our set. I love that that conversation just happened without any words. You just looked at each other and you knew immediately <laughs> I mean, like, that's I am, what was happening. <laughs> I get my party side from my dad. I get my sensitive side from my mom. I think my dad's as he gets older, he's getting more sensitive. I think us too. Like yeah. now we're getting older. We're a little more um, in tune with how, we, how we're supposed to feel, right? That makes sense. Yeah, you kind of live and learn, grow with the yeah. ups and downs. But fuck, it is not easy being in the music industry, buddy. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> we got a situation. Did you hear? Did you hear what happened in Seattle? 
I, I don't know. What? You did not hear what happened in Seattle? Skippy, come in here. Damn Skippy's on tour with us. He's in here. Damn Skippy. First of all, you're killing it, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Hold on. You know this whole story of this guy in Seattle who showed up and started fighting everyone. Did you hear about this oh, at yeah, the yeah, show? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did hear about that. Okay, Skippy, why don't you tell him the story, and then what happened at the end? You'll you'll crack up. Because I, I was scared. This guy wanted to beat my ass. He said, your band sucks. I want him here to kill you. Like, he literally said that. How did I miss this? Oh, my God. He was, he was, I mean, the guy was like a tweaker. Like, he came in heavy duty, whatever drugs. I have no fucking clue, right? Literally was freaking out at the fucking front table. Your boy actually, like, Joe helped. Yeah, Joe yeah, helped Joe. out, like, assess the situation. They get him outside. The guy's there with his, like, 90-year-old father with a walker. They're both massive fans, but this dude's just tweaking out. Gets outside, somehow gets back inside. They take him out a second time. The venue calls the police. They don't show. They don't show up, and then they mace him. Right? They mace him twice. They mace him twice. So then they're like, oh "Okay, God. dude's on heavy duty drugs because he's still coming." You yeah. know. And so yeah. Then at the end, we're loading out, and the dude just shows back up, and he's trying to like talk to you or talk to anybody that'll give him fucking attention. Freaking out outside. So we just all, as we're loading out, the whole crew just rolls out like. We had to be mobsters for a minute, you know? <laughs> he, said, he said, you guys are just a bar band. You ain't twiddle. <laughs> oh, you, that's what, that, he was like, really about twiddle? He said, we're like, bro, we don't want to be twiddle. <laughs> I was like, he's like, you ain't fucking twiddle. You guys are fucking pieces of shit. I will beat all your asses right now. I'm like, we weren't even starting a fight. And everyone, like, because I was, like, waving and, you know, signing shirts at the end of the show. And I was going outside ready to smoke a cigarette. And the, the owner of the venue is, like, pulled me back. And he's like, dude, that guy, he, he, this is how nice everyone is in Washington. They're like, that guy, um, you know, punched a lot of your fans today. And uh, <laughs> I heard about, okay, so I did hear about that. His girlfriend punched yeah. one of our fans just for being angry. And then she, he punched her boyfriend and started punching everyone. Then he got kicked out and blah, blah, blah. He was just on some ooey. I text Mahali. I text Mahali. That was kind of tripping dick. Um, the night I feel bad doing. I'm like, what is going on with your fans, Mahali? They're out here trying to threaten us, kill us. And hey, then what do you, what, what was the end? That's not you, on, that's not on Mahali. That's not on Mahali. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's on PCP. I will say that. <laughs> that's on PCP. Yeah. All right, keep going. Well, then so the poor guy's father rolls up in a pickup truck with yeah. his walker in the back, and he's literally yelling at his son to get in the car. We have like a just a shield of people standing by the trailer as we're trying to load out in the street, getting you know party machine in the fucking thing, and literally he finally gets in the truck. He's still screaming, but the weirdest thing was that he was the biggest fan of yours until he wasn't. Like yeah. it just snapped, you know. Like what? That's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. and then he said. Mahali shakes my hand with love. You guys are the devil. I'm like, the devil? The fuck do we do? You're out here getting maced twice, bear maced. They had to bear mace this guy twice. I couldn't believe it. You know, we love Twiddle. By the way, this ain't a shit talk on Twiddle, but for the fan base, this like, when did music become like a sports team? Yeah, right. You know, it's like, so competitive. It's Everything, so, yeah. the fans are competitive. Yeah. I mean, like, bro, we're all just playing music. Everyone needs to chill out and take in a dialed-in gummy. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode, <laughs> is, dialed, this episode is sponsored by... Thanks, Skippy. Um, this episode... Because I saw Skippy. He was about to loke this motherfucker. He just, I just saw him by the van protecting... Because Bo was... you know He's from yeah. Buffalo. So when Bo starts talking shit... 
I'm afraid he's going to kill a motherfucker. (laughs) Buffalo don't fuck around with no disrespect. And this guy was disrespecting us heavy. And then I saw Sean's eyes. He was turning red. We were going to, everyone was going to kill this motherfucker. I came back from getting pizza and the doors were locked. And that guy was out there and started trying to talk to me and beats open the door. And he was like, Nick, get in here, get in here. (laughs) What the fuck? Like everyone needs to chill out. It's just music. It's just fans. Everyone's trying their best to be individual. Don't, I'm not trying to be like Fish. I'm not trying to be like Twiddle. I'm not trying to be like uh, Gary Clark Jr. I might be trying to be like uh, my, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> but like, calm down. Just because you like one band, don't like everyone else. We don't, no one needs your opinion, okay? I'm talking to you, fucking Facebook. All right, sorry. And eat more no. Mushrooms and do less PCP. Yeah, eat more mushrooms and do less PCP and take a couple more dialed in gummies. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> dialed in gummies, the best gummies in the business. What a fucking tag. That is true. They are, right? They I are. brought them on the road. They're delicious. 100%. Yeah. They're homo- homogenized. Or is that the word? Homogenized. It's homogenized. They, um, every, if you don't know what that means, like I don't before this uh, <laughs> podcast started, um, every, Inch of the gummy is the perfect dosage. It's spread out evenly. So if you want it to only take a half, you only want to take a quarter, that dosage will be in that quarter. And also they taste good. There's, I mean, a lot of these uh, gummies taste like, um, taste like, I don't know, like glue, like a flavored they're glue. All, they're awesome. They're these like are the good. cream of the crop cream when, of the crop. when we visit Colorado. So grab yourself some dialed in gummies. Um, we got Carolyn Rose on the show. You know her? Uh, remind me. She's like an indie girl. Um, she lives in Texas now, but, um, she's from Vermont and, um, she's like, she wears all like she, her outfits, like all red. Oh, hell yeah. And she's badass indie chick. And she's just putting out a new record this week and I'm in love with her and it was a great conversation. So I can't wait for you to listen to Caroline Rose. Um, also this show is on volume.com. You know, volume.com. Have you ever done a live stream with volume.com? We have actually. Yeah. Yeah. Nashville. Yeah, they um, actually are our video sponsors. So you, awesome. if They're you want to cool. watch yeah. the video, if you want to see Nick's handsome face, just and which Lakai shoes he's going to wear today, <laughs> he's wearing the blue ones, which are pretty dope. He has like a hundred pairs of these, Skippy. It's insane. <laughs> the man, because they, they low key. Hold on, <laughs> no, no, we're going to say a hundred off of the pocket. The low, the man low key, because they look like Jordan ones. Yeah. That's why I kind of fuck with them. I might get them. Do they have an all leather kind? Uh, I don't know. Well, we can take a look. Though. And you're matching. Look at that. Well, you're always on, fucking man. matching. You I... are a fucking. <laughs> you're my fucking favorite. Um. So volume.com, guys. Uh, the if you want to watch it in video, it's only gonna be on volume.com. But also, you should go check out volume.com. If you're in a band, sign up for volume.com. Get your get your shows on volume.com because it's a free live stream. Everyone, you can watch Daniel Donato. Um, was on there last week. He did his three night run from Burlington. There's a lot of great shows on there, and um, they're they're taking over the podcast game as well. So you could watch your favorite podcast, um, fair podcast on video format as well. So um, shout out to Volume.com being our um, being our sponsor all year. It's gonna be great. We love you. Shout out to Dialed in Gummies. You're gonna enjoy this, Caroline's. You're going to join this Caroline Rose interview. Um, do you want to give a little motivation to the people? See what we could... Um, give me a little motivation, actually. What do I need to do? I know. I uh, You hate... Look at you. I can see your eyes rolling in the back of your head. If Do you want to do it? Do you want Skippy to do it? No, I mean, I, I, motivation is tough because not everybody needs the same motivation. You know, some people 
are introverted and some people are right. extroverted right. and sometimes they need different different advice um with you i would say stop worrying about what other people think okay um believe in yourself yeah. Tr trust your gut and yeah. you know you're an artist you right. know make your art and uh do what you do yeah and don't worry about things you can't control right look at that that fucking text we got from the fucking the the view the, 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 the talent booker what where's my phone oh you have it. Did, you, <laughs> did you read this I'm, we're calling everyone out today uh did you did i send that to you nick yeah <laughs> i was heated like first brian was on my ass at the seattle show about fucking calming down the show i'm like i don't think this show is that insane where i'm here, this is what we got. I got a text. Um, well, I didn't get a text. Bo got a text. We're excited for the show. Something to keep in mind, though. I know the sets can get wild. <laughs> and in principle, I support that. That's <laughs> passive aggressive in the first fucking sentence. In principle. In principle, I support that. But we have to keep it somewhat cool and <laughs> because of the O. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. So if, like, obvious drug use on stage or recklessness with alcohol is super obvious. We legally have to shut it down. I'm like, do, do they think I'm just like a belligerently drunk? They think that. They think I'm just like this fucking crazy person just taking drugs and being belligerently drunk. Um, I really appreciate you guys coming through, though. <laughs> That's what she said. And I look forward to a good show. Ugh. I hate passive aggressiveness. Just tell me how you feel. Say, no drugs, Frasco. And I don't even, it's not like I'm taking drugs. What is this? Here's another one. He, oh, yeah, we got another letter. Andy, this was from um, Andy. If you're reading this, absolutely no smoking six or weed on stage. Other than that, this is a 21-plus show so we can party. If you or anyone else wants to smoke six slash weed, please step outside the building. I respect that. That was Ryan Cole Yeah, that was, but that was how hilarious. That was, they, I'm like a fucking teenager up in here, dude. They think I'm just like some fucking frat boy. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, thank you for letting me have a Vent Sesh uh, podcast, fans. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, I love you very much. We're going to not think about what other people think about you today, this week. We're going to take a deep breath and realize that life's short. And the only way we're going to love life is if we love ourselves. Is that what you said? Well said. Let's fucking go. All right, guys. Enjoy Caroline Rose. And uh, me and Nick are going to go back to bed. I fell asleep on The Last of Us. I'm sorry. It's okay. We'll watch I it again. I was snoring. I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah, a little bit. Like hard? A little bit. When I'm on the back. When I'm on my back, I snore. Yeah. <laughs> when I put, go to the side, I'm all great. You were just like wrapped up like a little burrito and your head was poking out and you were just making these cute little noises and I'm sitting there watching Last of Us. I fucking love you. Yeah. You're my it's guy. It's a nice little Sunday. I love you, Nick. God, Nick. So if you're... Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to come out, Los Angeles, we're playing in Los Angeles, the Troubadour. Troubadour. Sold, San Diego sold out. Hell Fuck yeah. yeah, Casbah. Thank you, San Diego. Arizona, Marquee Theater. We got, we need, that's a big room. We need, to, we need uh, all the help we can get on that show. That's and Phoenix, right? Phoenix. Awesome. Tempe, Arizona State. I love Phoenix. That's where I got pissed on. Oh, cool. But um, we were hooking up and um, she, we were all both wasted and she peed all over the bed and then left the bed and slept on the couch without telling me. And I'm just like marinating in her urine. And then I smelled like piss. And then I, I got in my car and drove back to LA. <laughs> anyway, 
Shout out to Dialed and Gummies. Fun times. Phoenix. Shout out to Tempe. Yeah, I can't wait to go back to Tempe. I'm, uh, I get to smell the urine from here. Or Tempe. Um, Tempe. 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 Arizona State. Yeah. Um, they're actually good in basketball, I think. So when we get there, they might be I in the room. I haven't been paying attention. I've been bad about my college basketball. We should do. Year. We should do a um, a chart or what do they call that bracket? A bracket. Yeah, I'm down. It's I don't a, know shit about shot the dark for me, but I'm either. Fuck it. All right, guys, we love you. Stay safe out there and enjoy Caroline Rose. And um, we'll see you this week on the end of the tour. This is uh, the wrap up. We got one more week. And then uh, do you want to come on next week too? We'll re- recap the whole tour. Let's do it. All right. Love you. I love, love you too. Nick. Thanks for always cheering yeah. me up. Yeah, dude. Best. All right, guys. Enjoy Caroline. All right. Next up on the interview hour, we have Caroline Rose. Yes. I truly am a huge fan of Caroline. Um, I've followed her career for the last, I don't know, four or five years. Uh, she's from New York. She lives in Burlington for a while, had her ups and downs with um, you know mental health and uh, being a musician in 2020s. <laughs> um, it was super fascinating interview. She was very open about the whole thing. Hey, Chris, why don't you play some Caroline Rose while we uh, talk about her a little bit? I love her. I love everything about her. She's got a great personality and her music is just, just fucking killer. So, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this interview with Caroline Rose. Got like a cigarette, your <laughs> clown sculpture in the background. Oh, thank you. I, uh, I'm a musician as well. Um, I'm actually a big fan of you, Caroline. I've seen you play a bunch, and um, you're uh, you're a breath of fresh a fre- breath of fresh air, to be honest. Bre- a breath of fresh air. <laughs> breath of fresh air. <laughs> thank you. That's so sweet. Where are you living? Uh, I live in Austin. So, how long have you lived in Austin for? Oh, about five years now. You like? I, yeah, I really like it here. What are the difference between Austin and New York? Oh my God, there's a big difference. <laughs> it, um, both have very big personalities, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's more like gunslinging um, bravado here. It's very. Uh, I you know I actually used to live in Vermont for for years and. There's a lot of overlapping qualities between Vermont and Texas. Like, they both want to secede from the union. <laughs> They're very like Second Amendment, but on very different ends of the, the political spectrum. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me, it's, and you know, where'd you live in Vermont? Burlington? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I used to live on a, a farm in, in um, Marshfield, Vermont, which is like the Northeast Kingdom. It's really beautiful. So give me a little bit about your background. You know, you grew up in Long Island. You guys, your parents were artists. What, what type of art did they do? Uh, well, my, my parents um, made book covers for a long time. They still do. They ju- it's just freelance stuff. So it's sort of a mishmash of what they do now. But my, 
my dad started in the gallery circuit, just painting and making sculptures and stuff like that. And my mom used to work at NBC doing mechanicals, which are like basically what Photoshop and InDesign do now. Oh, she wow. used to do it like by hand and she was a sign painter. And, um, so my parents are kind of like salt of the earth type artists. So they, they sort of do everything and they're just very talented. Mm. And, did you, guys, you know. did you guys grow up wealthy, poor or middle class or how, how was uh, your upbringing? Middle class, definitely solidly middle class. Um, the, the town on Long Island that I'm from is, it's very much like a, you know, there's like a, the one bar that everyone goes to, Buckley's Irish Pub. Uh, yeah, it actually like burned down a few years ago because like, um, well, it's mysterious happenings, but I'm 99% sure somebody was cooking meth uh, in the <laughs> upstairs room. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that kind of town. It's like working, working class, um, a lot of like fisher, fishermen in my family's past and duck hunters and stuff like that. But now it's just, you know, it just seems like a small town slash distant suburb. It's not really anywhere close to New York City, so it doesn't really feel very yeah, suburby. I, I, yeah, I forget how fucking big Long Island is. You know, it's, it's long. <laughs> no point it, it really is yeah you, it feels a lot like new england the further out you get right right and it's, it's very blue collar as well it's not like it doesn't feel like a city it's yeah it's kind of it's <laughs> there's a lot of little pockets out there because you can get a pocket that's um it's more like farmer granola people and uh -huh. then there's other pockets <laughs> that are like very much like trump land uh you know, everybody loves like Zeldin out there. It's, it's wild. It's, it's the wild, the wild east. I've the wild east. I love it. Um, <laughs> you know, growing up with artistic parents, tell me about the upbringing of art with you. Was it easier to be an artist because your parents were artists? Was it more pressure on you to like really succeed in art? Give me all that stuff when you were a kid. Yeah, I mean, the best thing about it was I could get away with stuff because my parents had done it, you know, like for right. for years I lived out of a car, just kind of wandered around and I'd what? go up to Vermont, like work on a farm, and then I'd like drive around and like live out of my car in Mississippi. And, uh, you know, I, I got away with stuff like that because my, my parents were always doing stuff like that. Right. It's just they, they were more... You know, they're kind of like a walking paradox in a way because I also grew up really Christian. So they were, my parents are these, uh, you know, there's, they're less uh, devout than they were when I was younger. Right. I think part of that is due to me. No, I'm not going to take the, you know, the take the cake for all of that, but I do think, uh, I had like a part of why they no longer really go to church anymore. <laughs> but I, you know, like that was the way we grew up. We, every Sunday, like we go to church. We, the church family was kind of a big part of my life growing up. Um, and my, you know, my parents are very, they're very, they were very by the books when we were growing up. Um, you know, yeah, strict. Like, got married when they were 21 have never been with anybody else like waited until marriage type people 
Right. You know? Yeah, I hear that. I, I grew up. I grew up hearing like your body is a temple. You know, protect it at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny between our generation. I'm thirty. I'm thirty four now, and you're, you're thirty three. So, the the difference between mm-hmm. our generation and our parents' generation is like dramatic, dramatically changed to how we feel about life, how we feel about sex. Like when what? How old were you when you came out? Well, that's a really good question because I've like known I've I've been gay since I was a toddler just like a tiny child yeah and i think you know part of that is there's like the it's so the way that we're raised it's so binary if you all of your heroes are are like when i was a little kid all my heroes were men like indiana jones and luke skywalker yeah i was such a tomboy and um and i think i think like that's what helped me it became so obvious to me because I'm like, oh, I'm I definitely don't fit in with the other kids and right, you know. Um, but it wasn't until I was 18 that I officially came out, and it was like, you know, honestly, kind of traumatic for me. I bet. <laughs> I mean, especially when you grew up in the church and stuff, and like, did your parents accept you being gay, or your community accept you being gay at first, or was it hard for them to take a deep breath about it and realize this is just who you are? It was, it was hard. Um, it was, you know, like I, I want to be sensitive about this subject because my, my parents were going through a really hard time when I came out and they were taking care of my grandpa and, uh, and he was, you know, dying and they, they took care of him every day. I mean, they were like changing his diapers, taking care of him, like fully taking care of him. Yeah. And, and so they were really stressed and going through a hard time. Um, I think like financially as well, it just, everything is very taxing time. And here I was like 18, freshly in love, my first girlfriend. And, uh, I think I was so, um, I was, I was so, you know, when you, you're in love and it's like everything around you is just perfect. And you just, you're floating it's like and like the rose colored glasses are real. You yeah. Know? Yeah, totally. My, my namesake, <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, I was so excited about it. And I, I think it was really hard for my mom cause she, she was my, really my best friend, um, for since probably it's like senior year of high school, my, my two best friends, they sort of started going down like a different path, like going to parties and doing drugs and, uh, and we just sort of lost track of each other. And so I became like a total homebody and uh, was mostly very depressed and would watch yeah. movies with my mom like every night. What, so we after became you really came close. out? You were very this depressed? This was like right before. This oh. was like right before. And then and then when I when I came out, it was sort of an accident that how she found out. And and I think she was kind of hurt that like I didn't tell her directly, and how'd you how'd you find was, out? She was un she was unprepared. Yeah, she was yeah. unprepared for it. How'd you find she out? She overheard me talking. Oh, really? She overheard me talking to my, my one of my friends, <laughs> and I, you know, I think situations like that have to be handled with care. Because, um, I was just talking about this with with someone, and I there's no handbook for parents. Yeah. With with queer kids or gender queer kids. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Like as I get older, I realize 
people my age are parents, you know, like right. we become parents. There's no guidebook and you're kind of learning as you go along. And a lot of the things like you still have your own therapy to work through, like you still have your own problems to kind of, um, to kind of like mend. And, and so you, you just are stacking these things, these issues in your life, like personal issues. And then now you have your kids and your kids are growing up and have their own issues and you still haven't healed your own stuff. So I I think like as hard as it is for me to understand, especially when I, when I was younger, it was hard for me to understand like why she couldn't un, like uh, accept, accept it at first. And right. uh, she has since. So I don't want to like, you know, she, my mom is again, my best friend. So, um, but I, I think of it differently now. I think of it, of it with a lot more compassion for my parents yeah. now than I did when I was younger. When, um, when you're depressed before you came out and you're hanging out with your mom, you know, watching movies and stuff, what, what were the conversations like? Oh, there weren't any. It was just <laughs> There have... weren't any. <laughs> no. And you know, yeah, I, hear that. I, I, uh, I realized like now how many secrets I've, I've had to keep just throughout my, my childhood and my, early adulthood. Yeah. I was, I really thought of myself as this little Island and, uh, and I, I'm, you know, I'm real, I realize it now because it comes up in, in these different ways of like, wow, I, I really don't have to do that alone. I just, that's how I learned how to cope with life. It's like, you just do it alone. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the same way. Like I was afraid to be vulnerable with exactly how I felt maybe it's like you're protecting your inner self in a way, you know, it's like, you don't want people to tell you, Oh, what (laughs) your philosophy of how life and love should be and how you should live life. If someone tries to, you know, throw a fucking grenade into your happiness, that would fuck me up when I was a kid, you know, now that I'm more secure with my life and secure as a person, it, it's a, it's a lot different. So I was like, I think about that too. Like I, I had never had a really relationship with my parents when I was a kid. And then I'm finally starting to open up with this podcast. They listen to it and shit. They're like, Oh God, I didn't know you did Coke and had three sons, you know, <laughs> just like, okay. <laughs> but like, what is it that we are so afraid to talk to the people who are closest to us about who we really are? Oh man. If you have an answer for that, I would love to know it. It's wild. So I'm I'm like riddled with fear all about like you know intimacy and uh sometimes it's so hard to communicate like right. I I just want to crawl back into the womb. I really do. Same. Is that made It's nice and warm and safe in there. Is that why you ran and started traveling living in a car? I think I was just so ready to be to be living my life independently. I think even when I was a kid, I was just so ready to be on my own. I I would, uh, we had this little like clubhouse in the backyard that my dad built. And, and I would, I would collect magazines of all the like furniture that I was going to put in there. Mm -hmm. And then when I turned 16, I like started cleaning it out and would, would go and sleep out there just so I could be on my own. Wow. It was cold as fuck in New York though. What the fuck? Was it during the summertime or like, what's going on? That's how I am too. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe we're just loners. Maybe like we feel more comfortable when we're alone, living in a van, traveling, going to a city to city. 
you know, maybe that's why you love being an artist, being a musician. Oh, I, I, I describe myself as a loner all the time. Yeah. Same. You know, we need, we need other people. It's not like, you know, I think there's a different between difference between hermitage and, uh, and lonerism, but, uh, I definitely thrive on being alone. And I, and I think like, uh, people like me just need to fill their bucket uh, on on our own sometimes. And then when it's filled, it's like, okay, I'm ready to be around people again. Yeah. So tell me about these. Okay. So I, I'm so curious because I, when I was 17, I went on my first tour. It was, I was like in an, like Vance Warp Tour, emo, pop punk style band. And uh, in the beginning, yeah, hell yeah. it was dope, but I fell in love with the open road. So what, how old were you when you said, Mom, Dad, I'm getting out of this. I'm getting out of New York or wherever you guys were. I'm getting in a car. Did you bring your girlfriend at the time? Did you go by yourself? Give me the whole. Give me this this two year journey of of existential um, fulfillment. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I pretty much uh, got out as soon as possible. You know, when I was like when I was younger, like there weren't I. I was living in a household that was so by the books and, and my, I went to a tiny, tiny high school where the, the counseling was slim to none and that's on a good day. And the option for us, it felt like was like you either work, stay, stay in town and like work for your dad's construction company or you go to college. And there was no, it wasn't even in my radar, like to take a year off or not even go to college. Like it wasn't, uh, it didn't even seem like an option. And then I, I got like a, a big, uh, fat scholarship to go to school. Uh, so I ended up doing that. I, I went to a little college in in Massachusetts and, and then pretty much the day I graduated from that, I, that's when I started living in a car and I worked in a farm for a few years and, I, I would just travel every time I get the opportunity. I still do that. I still do it every time I get the chance. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm gonna sublet my house and just go live in Florida for <laughs> like two weeks. You know, why not? Yeah, totally. That's so. Where was the first city when you lived in that felt like most like home? Oh well, I, I lived in New York. Um, on and off for years, and I'll, I'll always have a you know special place in my heart for New York. I just think it's like the greatest city. It is beautiful it, it city. Was, it's also the loneliest city, if you ask me. Like you know, it, yeah. it moves so fast. Everybody moves so fast, and um, and you know, New York really is Gotham City. I mean, <laughs> it's true. When you see Batman, you're like, that's New York. Like you're not, you're not <laughs> kidding anyone. It's New York on a gray day. Right. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's New it's New York with like Giuliani at the helm. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Gotham City. A hundred percent though. Hunchback mayor like Danny DeVito and the penguin, like hello. No, oh but- yeah, his pointy little nose. <laughs> yeah. I you know, that like but I'll always have a soft spot for it. Um and then uh I feel like everywhere, everywhere I've ever lived, I've I've had a really special bond with it, and and I've grown in a way that yeah, uh, you know, I couldn't have predicted. Like when I've, I, I kind of split time between New York and Vermont for many years, 
And I, I feel just as at home there, you know, I have such a good group of friends. I'm still friends with all of the people that I've met there. And it's just like a little community. It's yeah. tiny. Where, where did you feel you uh, started, really started, uh, you know, blossoming as a musician? What city? I, I would say, I would say Burlington, actually. Yeah. I would really say that. I mean, and I, I'm kind of laughing because uh, I have to laugh at that. Cause the other day, somebody was, somebody sent me my Wikipedia page. I don't know how this, this happened. I think he was trying to get me to play a show and it was like in a forwarded email. It was like a link to my Wikipedia page. And I'm like, what the hell does my Wikipedia page say? And it says my origin is Burlington, Vermont, which I, I was like, that's hilarious. Cause like, I'm not from Vermont, right? but everyone thinks I'm from there. And I'm like, you know what? That kind of is my origin. Cause that I, I worked with, a um, my, he was kind of my co-producer, my friend. We dated on and off for a little while. Like we had a very interesting relationship. Uh, and my bandmate, uh, his name's Jer Coons. And shout out to Jer. Shout out to Jer. Yeah, we we made music together for uh, you know, four or five years, just kind of going back and forth. We'd travel around. We'd play shows. We did our first tour together, and that's kind of really where my um, my career got started. Yeah. Just very organically. So what was the first so- couple songs you wrote in Burlington that you felt like, wow, I'm a songwriter? Well, I wrote this album called America Religious. Yeah. I, I want to <laughs> talk about that too, about Kickstarter. It's pretty awesome. You're like yeah, one of the oh first revolutionaries. Can you still find that on the internet? No, that's what I was saying. I'm like, like I remember when that shit was popping. Like, how did... Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about America. Yeah, let's talk about uh, America religious. So you made this whole record in Burlington. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we we would sort of travel around because back then I had far less patience than I do now, and I would get so sick of being in the studio. Like if it was a nice day, if it was seventy five degrees and sunny, no fiber of my in my body wanted to be in inside. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Like I couldn't do it. It was like, uh, all of a sudden my, you know, I had ADD and I just had to be outside. Right. I, I was also, man, thinking back on my younger self, I'm like, I was a, a wild horse, like rodeo style yeah. emotions that were unchecked, unchecked emotions. <laughs> and what I would have freakouts. Like we'd be working on something and I'd get so frustrated because it, I'd be like, it's just not sounding the way that I want. And, you know, I'd try a bunch of things and, and it wasn't working. And then I'd just, I'd be like, I have to go. And I, and I'd just leave the studio all day until I was like, "Mm, I think I'm ready to go back. And, you know, uh, maybe that's just the common artist thing to do. But now I'm like, oh my God, this, I could have done that in a nicer way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, what, why, what, looking back in retrospect, why do you think you were lashing out? Were you, um, did you ever get into like addicted, you ever get addicted to like drugs, coke, or any alcohol? Or what was, what were those years no. like for Carolyn Rose? Well, I, I've always, I've always, I've n- I mean, I've never been an alcoholic. I've always liked to drink, but, yeah. um, and I do all the drugs. Yeah, but same. I'd never been addicted to drugs. And I, I, you know, that was like a big, th- I have like such a weird relationship. Um, 
it, it's like a soft spot for me because my hometown just got like smashed with with heroin. Yeah. Um, just like so many small towns in the U.S. and probably abroad too now. Right. Um, but it just got really pummeled and uh, like uh, it's hard. It's honestly hard for me to talk about. Uh, it's very sad. Yeah. So. I've never had the type of relationship with drugs and um, never kind of like gotten sucked out into that path. Was heroin <laughs> around um, when you were a kid? It, when I when I got to like junior year of high school, that's when it started showing up. And man, it's crazy. It was like it was pills crazy. It's or actual is. heroin, like like opiates, like uh, what, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like dirty. Wow. Um, In high school? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm telling you, it was everywhere. Holy it was everywhere. fuck. It's, I think it still is. I think, like, yeah. the, you know, more people are involved in their kids' lives now just because it was so dangerous, and it is so dangerous. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I don't really go home very often, so I'm not sure what the state is now, but it was it was rough. So I've always been really cautious uh, around that. And and also, you know, my parents were like straight edge. So I think they raised us in a way that was like, don't ever do this. Right. If you do this, you will go to bad hell. Things will happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> For real though. Did they always blame the hell and devil thing if you're doing bad things? No, or? they they weren't like like uh like uh Snake whispers or anything. <laughs> you know, I tell you what, Caroline, if you do this stuff, I swear to God, you are going straight, straight <laughs> to the Lord's hell. All right? Don't fuck around. <laughs> uh, I do have some family in Mississippi that definitely were fire and brimstone. You got some Southern? But, you, got, uh, you got a little Southern in you? Oh, I met all the women in my family are from the, from the South. What all did you? What, my mom's from South Carolina. Okay, now now we're cooking. All right, give me some southern. Give me some southern philosophy. Like it's very, it's it's a very different world between. You said South Carolina. Oh yeah, but I have family all over the South. Yeah, pretty much every, every state. What What did your southern family teach you about how you should live life? Um, eat a lot of Hardee's biscuits. Is number one. <laughs> yeah, I'll clap to that. Yeah, Let's go. Of, Let's uh, go. Yeah, only, only cook with butter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sacrilegious to cook with anything but butter and, and <laughs> like flour and sugar. Yeah. In every meal. I love it. So um, going back to Burlington, let's go back to Burlington first. Oh, uh, did you have okay. anything else about philosophy about instead of butter? <laughs> and, and oh, well, I can tell you all the, all of my Southern family, they're the best storytellers. I think that's like where it's like in my DNA to be a storyteller from, especially the women in my family. They all, you know, they have these hilarious sayings that people just don't say anymore. Like my grandma, uh, she would say things like, Keep your chin up so your ass don't hit the ground. And she would say, "Queer is a three dollar bill" all the time. Uh, I, I, there's so many. The, the list goes on and on. But do you think yeah, that, you that know, made you a better lyricist? I I do actually. Yeah, I I do, and I think I have a connection to that sort of just like southern music, the folk right. music and country music, and it's like in my DNA somewhere. Somehow, yeah, I just love it. I love it. So you you brought this <laughs> so you brought the Southern philosophy into Burlington to make America religious. 
How many songs did it take until you felt like the album was ready? Like, did you like make like 30 songs and pick the best 11? Or like, how did the Kickstarter start? Give me, give me a little background of this first record. And then I want to get into Superstar and stuff. Um, yeah, well, I think, uh, we had made a little EP before that and man, America really just, you know, and it's not, it's not out on, on social, um, platforms or anything. Like you can't, you can't really find it. It might be on YouTube, but. Did you take it offline um, or what? I never put it up. I never put it up. I, really? and, and I guess I'll, I'll, I'll get to that, but like, you know, that early stuff, it might as well be a different person talking to you right now. Like, wow. um, you know, my, my sound, um, I think a lot of people change their, when they find their, their sound that they're sort of committed to, um, they'll change their band name, like father John Misty, you know, style. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. But I, you know, I just kept my name. So it's a little confusing. You know, this early material is really songwriter material. I, I wanted to be a songwriter and that's kind of it. Like just, you know, get the band together and hop in the van. Right. Like, and I love that. It's like that sort of vagabond lifestyle. Um, but I think it just, it just evolved in, right. in a, what feels like to me a really natural way. And, and that's yeah that, that but this is like my origin story i guess no i love that um because it seems like you're always changing musicians in a lot of these different projects or have you had the same band for a while now well i've had the same band for a while but uh you know we the band is growing yeah one for one and then um and it's also it's also hard because uh during the pandemic a- after that I, I really wanted to slow down um and i i didn't want to play as many gigs and my other bandmates or uh, one of them was like i you know i want to i want to be touring and my sound engineer was like i want to be touring and i'm like all right like you know go go do your thing and right. i think that's the kind of beauty of it i always tour with my friends yeah. um we all love each other and we're all we're all friends so if if it's ever sort of like a rotating I, I, I tend to have rotating like um, bass players. And, yeah. Um, but I can easily see any of them like coming back to do an album cycle. Like, oh, I'm, you know, I, I've got the year off. I'm like, come on, let's do it. Yeah. So I'll hop in the van. Yeah. So it's, like, it's an open door <laughs> policy. You know, if you want, if you're not feeling it at the moment, if you're burnt out, I, I respect the shit out of that. You know, this is why. I think if you give the people the freedom, then you don't burn bridges and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to ruin the friendship. It's mostly about friendship, right? Oh yeah. You got to have fun. You know, it's like, if it's not fun, there's something's going wrong. And (laughs) the times when I haven't been having fun, I'm like, okay, something's wrong. And it's usually like my psyche. Yeah. Tell me some times when touring wasn't fun, like pre pandemic, like what was going on Were you just burnt out too many shows or how was that going? You know, a little bit, to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't really take, I, I was supposed to have time off after the loner album cycle ended. Yeah. And we had toured for two years straight, uh, pretty much nonstop. And then that, that whole time I was making Superstar and it, it took a lot out of me just to, between touring and the recording process is always the most fun to me. That's That's yeah. like when it's, 
it's like a joy, you know, to right. be making something. But then the, you know, there's mixing and mastering and deadlines and all that stuff. The, the deadlines, I'm, it's just so stressful. Uh, until you actually realize that a deadline is just a man-made creation that actually has no meaning. But um, it, I really wish I had a, had a little more time to just relax and live my life right. and, you know, enjoy being home for a little bit. But we pretty much had to go straight into another album cycle and it was uh, a lot of work and a lot of stress, many, many hours um, put into it. And then like the pandemic just cut the head right off of everything. It was crazy. Like, cause you're catching a wave we, right before the pandemic, yeah, weren't mean, you? That's what it, it really felt like that. You yeah. know, we were, we were kind of set up to have a champagne year, um, which, which was like, I, I was, I was excited about being able to provide for my, my team, like everybody who had been working so hard. It's like, that's the moment where you really, you, you've been working so hard and it's like, all right, finally all that hard work's going to pay off. Like we're going to, uh, we're going to enjoy the, the benefits of our, like reap the benefits of our labor. And, uh, we put out the album March 6th of 2020, which turns Holy out. Holy fucking crap. <laughs> Hold on. Terrible. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I feel you. I put my record out in April 2020. I was like, what the fuck are we doing? But what made you still yeah. what made you still release it in March? Um, well, the pandemic hadn't happened yet. Oh fuck. So that was like was, oh, that was like 15 days before. Not even, not even my my dude. You remember oh when South I was God. canceled? Yes, yes. They canceled South by like right before it was supposed to happen. And, and we were all just like, whoa, that's a, that's, that seems like a big deal. Like maybe this is kind of a big deal. And then, and I was, I was still holding out hope like, no, maybe it's just being precautious. Like, you know, they've right. got investors, whatever, liability. Right. And, and then the next day they canceled the NBA and everybody was like, <laughs> oh shit, yeah. we're done. Yeah. We're done. When they cancel the NBA, it's, it's legit. So go home. Uh, yeah, and that was March twelfth. Wow. Fuck. Yeah, it was wild times. So did you go into depression? Like what happened? Were you bummed out or were you like kind of like burnt out like a blessing in the skies? But also like you just worked your ass off on making this record and and you wanted the best push you could have. Like what was your what was going through your mind during the that time? Oh wow, what wasn't going through my mind? You know, it was a lot of different emotions at once and um, then, you know, that, that time was really like the beginning of, um, like, you know, my album that's coming out like that. Most of the songs were written early in the pandemic. Um, right. cause all, you know, all the shows got canceled and then I went back to Texas and then pretty much realized that this relationship that I was in that meant so much to me, it was just in, it was kind of in shambles and uh, largely in part to my, my own doing, you know, which I've had to grapple with like my, my part in it. Um, so, you know, I came back up to Vermont <laughs> from after all the shows, that come, I like went down to Texas, moved out of my house. We were, we were kind of splitting up and then I came back to Vermont. Uh, and at that time it was still 
there was so much confusion over what was happening. It was right. like, are we going to tour at all this year? Are our jobs done forever? I mean, what's the deal? There's just so many question marks. And then, you know, people were dying. Like it, what a strange time to right. be alive. And it's, it's kind of bizarre to me, like how that really didn't happen that long ago. And I, I still don't feel like we have, uh, really processed the collective trauma of, of going through a global pandemic. I mean, right. it, what an insane thing for million millions of people to die and millions more to get sick. Um, and to be so isolated so, you know, you have like all these things going on and then, you know, all the protests and human rights, like activism, like, there, so much going on. It was just a, it was like somebody had shook up, you know, a bottle of soda and it was like a popping, the top was popping off. Yeah. Um, so all those things happening and then like all these personal things happening, um, all this time and energy I had put into my career was time that I hadn't been putting into my own life. And your relationship. So when it was over and my relationship, you know, like, uh, I, I realized that I had like nothing left in my own bucket for Mm. myself. Yeah. I hear you. It, It was a weird time. It was a weird time. I was like, I didn't know who I was when I wasn't working on something else. And, um, I had just kind of forgotten how to just sit and be, and that's the most fucked up part about being self. in the music industry. We have to work twenty four to make this even work out. We have to do this twenty four seven. That means we're putting our relationships, our love interests, ourselves in the back burner, and then all of a sudden you get the rip cord. Like, oh, actually, we're taking two years break from <laughs> your career. And then we forget who we are. Like, what do we do? And I'm like, you know, it's like, where do you, you know, and I, I'm thankful you went to Burlington. It feels like every time you're having an existential crisis, you go up to, you go up to Vermont to go get and some peace safe haven. to a safe haven. We all need it, that in it's life, It's a right? zombie apocalypse safe haven too. You know, everybody's going to end up, I, I shouldn't say this on the radio. I should keep this, this is the best kept secret right now. Yeah, like, Burlington. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. But my best friend lives there and like, you know, my, my crew and I still have so many ties there. Yeah. It's just like a safe place for me. So how long did it take during the quarantine for you to finally start filling up your cup? Well, I started almost immediately uh, because I was like, you know, this is, this is pretty rough for everyone. And there was something about that, like collective, uh, depression, I guess that I was like, I, this weirdly makes me feel okay. Like, I I think I'm going to be fine. Um, but it was still, it was hard to get up every day. I mean, especially, you know, when you, when you go through a breakup, the best thing you could possibly do is go out with your friends, go out dancing, you know, distract yourself from the immediate pain Right. And then you can start processing it. But like, there were no distractions. It was like, oh, here, here's all this grief. And you have no one, <laughs> you, have, you, you have no dance party to go to. Right. Like, if you're going to do this. And <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You got to go. I it's like you, you have a party with your, a party of one now. Right. And 
And I, and I just like leaned totally into it. I was like, okay, you know, cause relationships are a great way to kick off, um, trying to make some self improvements, you know, maybe just like look at right. yourself. Cause it's really, you're looking at a mirror of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you're in, in an intimate relationship with someone and that could even be a close friendship too, but all these relationships are mirroring, uh, ourselves and what we do and how we are and like what makes us do what we do. And I just took it as an opportunity. I was like, well, I now have all this time. I have a bag of acid. Let's go. Let's part. You know, yeah. like, let's find ourselves. And that's what I, I did. Yeah. I was just like went deep, deep dive. And I wrote, I wrote about it like all the time. I was just kind of noodling on the guitar the whole time, playing the piano. What'd you learn about yourself during the acid week or two weeks or month or um i learned that i basically did not understand what self-compassion was at all and oh fuck yeah man i i mean i was like looking back on my past self it's just wow i i've been so hard on myself my whole life my whole same um, adult life oh my caroline we're the same fucking person bud Okay. Why, I'm telling why, you, it's like we're not alone. No. We're not alone. And why do why do why does our brain convince us that we are only feeling this way? That makes us go lonelier and lonelier, deeper into our depression. Oh, it's a great question, Andy. It's a great question. I don't know. We have like this little voice in our head that's just so mean. So what did the acid teach you? Did it like bitch slap the voice? Like, nah, nah, queen, you a queen. Let's pop off. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, kinda, yeah. yeah. Like it, uh, it, it really forces you to look at. Um, well, I don't want to speak for anybody else. I'll just speak from what it, how it, psychedelics are helpful for me personally. Yeah, it it just peels away the social element of my life. Uh, it's like every all polity is 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 kind of pulled back like an onion. You know, right. you just get to the nugget of the onion. And I, I, I can see myself right away. And, um, that whole time I was, I was seeing something that was really like a, a little, you know, the essence of me, it was just so hurt. I was so hurt in so many ways. And, um, I went like, I'm still doing it. Like I'm still going real, real far back and just trying to learn more and more about myself I also realized like I've had so many secrets that I've kept my whole life and I've become so accustomed to them that, uh, I haven't thought of them as issues at all in my life. I've just been like, Oh yeah, that's like a thing that happened. It's no big deal. Right. And then I'll tell someone and they'll be like, what that, that happened to you? Like, holy shit, man. So, yeah. Why, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, it's like us too. It's no big deal. Cause we just like suppress trauma and we suppress like, oh yeah, totally. fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Yeah. Then you finally open up. You're like, they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. I don't know why we do that. So many I think we're protecting our inner child. Yeah. And there's also, it's like, I wish there were, it was more acceptable societally to be really vulnerable Mm -hmm. um but you know sometimes (laughs) it's like when somebody comes up you know you see somebody at the grocery store or something and you're like hey how are you and they're like i'm fine how are you 
but really what they want to say is like, I'm not fine. <laughs> right. And then, you know, and like talk for three hours, but right. it's like our day doesn't include that time just in the same way that it's really hard to put a commercial value on things like spirituality or, you know, emotional level stuff. It's, it doesn't really fit into our day to day unless you create that space mm-hmm. and, for for me, like I just hadn't created that space. It was like a, a second tier uh, of importance, you yeah. know. Yeah. Why Why do you think that is? Because we're just so goal driven on our dreams. I can say with certainty that I have fallen directly into that trap, like many times, and and it's I've not realized that I've done it. Yeah. But yeah, I do think that is, I do think that's true. I think we're, you know, we're the donkey that's just like following the carrot in front of our face. And it's really hard to, to see with perspective, right. like what we're doing. So after this two years of absence of following the carrot and, you know, writing music again, cause you love it. And I'm not saying that you didn't ever loved it, but you know, you're feeling burnt out like at shows. So like you get back into this, you know, this art, this open vessel of artistic freedom. Now that you have a new record out and you, cause you went on tour a little bit last couple year and a half, right? Make some money. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. But, um, you know, not, not a whole lot, not a whole lot. So you bite at the bit <laughs> to get this record out. So you get out there again, or are you still feeling like, uh, you want to go? And oh, I'm actually really excited about this to come out. I, you know, I've been sitting on it for a while too, cause it's been done for, um, you know, many months now, but, um, I also am really, I'm proud of it for a number of reasons. Uh-huh. I can say that with certainty, this is the only, probably, you know, it's the only album that I can listen to and be like, this is exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, like everything about it no suits were involved in the making of this album. Like I didn't in- involve anyone unless it was specifically for a creative purpose mm-hmm. to to realize something that I had in my head. You're basically uh, taking the fucking power back, queen. Let's go. This is what I like to hear. <laughs> Take the power back. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's one way to put it. <laughs> I, um, you know, the, the the one thing I don't like about um, album cycles and like the time that you finally get the release date for a record is like it could take two years, <laughs> you know, like sometimes a year. Yeah. And like uh, once you finally release it, you're like sick of the fucking songs. Are you do you feel <laughs> that way yet? Because you've over listened to them and over criticized them. Or are you ready to show them how they are live? No, no, I'm not sick of them. And I think that's a testament to how, um, I, I, this sounds like kind of cheesy to say, but I was very present of that when I was making the album, mm-hmm. not to burn out on the songs. And, um, you know, when I was making Superstar, I was, uh, what one might call overly protective of right the process and every single thing that was going on, it was like really hard for me to relinquish any sort of control. Uh, and, and this time I was just really thoughtful about it. I, I worked with, I I collaborated with a couple people and the, 
mix engineer I worked really closely with and she was she kind of became like my right hand man. I mean, I, I trust, I trusted her completely. Right. Uh, and that, that was a big part of it for me. I think that's like a reason why I, I can still listen to it and not cringe. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Is it was, it just was like more pure the way that it was made. It, there was, it was a joy the yeah. whole time. There was not a single moment where I was like beating my head against the wall. Yeah. Um, Isn't it amazing when we're, it's, it's intention, you know, you wake up from this daydream of suppression, you're out of it. You take a little acid, find yourself a little bit, you open up the vessel again and you write songs that you want to write instead of writing for the future. Is that it? Maybe. I think that's totally it. I, I mean, I'm sure there's more to it that can be uncovered, but for me, that that was it. Yeah. It's like I, and, and, re, and having that realization was really important for me because, um, you know, I'm a person, I like to do a lot of things on my own and, and that's sometimes a great way to lose perspective. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to be more aware of how I'm feeling kind of at all times. Cause if I feel like I'm starting to pull the thread of the sweater and it's like starting to unravel, I'm like, let's take a step back. I don't care how much time it takes. It has to feel pure in that way. Right. Uh, And I won't ever do it any other way ever again. Yeah. Well, yeah. And especially, you know, you, you, you learn from the process of making a record on the road where like you're kind of forced to like be, at your best because you have to go back on the road right <laughs> can't just sit in the studio for months on end or take a break and go out and see some sunshine because you're going you're about you're about to hit the road again on tuesday you know so maybe that different totally. perspective yeah. of like i've always wanted to do that just like clear my schedule completely and that's one thing covid blessed us with was um we we could do that because there's no fucking else to do <laughs> you make your art yeah you know and we all have to we all have to pay the bills and we go out we tour <laughs> yeah. when we, we need yeah. money and yeah, totally. I, i'm the same way you know i gotta like i gotta make ends meet i yeah. gotta it's like if i if i need some cash let's go out do tour but i i'm more aware of uh when i'm taking on like responsibility of my bandmates or my team or uh-huh. and i'm like oh i gotta do this for them i gotta do you know right and it's like and I realize I'm not actually taking care of myself at all. I'm just, I'm, th- I'm thinking about everybody else's well-being. And it's like when you're on the airplane, you know, you got to put the mask on yourself first before you can help anybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, like, exactly. I'm, I'm really bad at remembering that, you know. I'm like going to pass out on the plane. Yeah, it's so, it's so fascinating. God, Caroline, <laughs> I could talk to you forever. This is great. Thank you for, this is refreshing. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, we got to do this again. I know you're, uh, I only have a certain amount of time with you, so... Um, I got two more questions. First off, when's the record coming yeah, out? Yeah. March twenty fourth. Well, fuck yeah! So yeah, this oh yeah this this episode comes out the same week. Um, and then also, that's not the question that I was gonna ask. One of my questions: What's your fascination with red? Oh, you know, it's always been my favorite color, and then I just kind of started collecting red things. 
And uh, at some point I was like, you know, I wear red all the time. What if this just, what if I just wore red on stage? And it just became like part of my like persona. And then some years passed. And I'm like, well, it's too late to change it now, <laughs> even if I wanted to. Yep. So I here we you. are. I hear you. I'm a, I did that too. I'm like they're a color, but I'm just like, wow, I have a lot of red shit. <laughs> That's how I feel now. too. I'm a, I was like, I love the Lakers and all I wear is Laker jerseys. And uh, now I'm stuck. Everyone, I feel like I have to wear a fucking <laughs> Laker jersey to a show now. It's bullshit. <laughs> but that goes I know. Back. You stop wearing your Laker jersey and everyone's like, who are you? Yeah. Oh, why are you wearing white today, Caroline? How dare you? <laughs> it's like, fuck <laughs> off. Like, I'm going to be who the fuck I want to be whenever I want. Um, I got, I got, I got my final question. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm, we're going to, I'm, I'm going to hit you up on Instagram. Let's be friends, man. Cause I feel like, uh, we're parallel with how we feel about yeah. our life and how we approach, how we approach depression. So if you ever are lonely or whatever, and just need someone to, a stranger to talk to, you know, I'm going through the same I'm shit. Call you, Andy. Yeah. Come on. Hit me I'm up. Caroline. Let's, let's pop off queen. Um, <laughs> Burlington though, you know, Ryan Montblou? Oh, I haven't seen Ryan in a long time. Yeah, he's the man. Do, do he's you one. know? Do you oh, know that's Ryan one of my Mumbler? best friends. That's one of my best friends. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Say, tell him I say hi. We went skinny dipping together once. This was like years ago. <laughs> really? We used to skinny dip like me and my, all my friends. And Ryan came with us one time. It was funny. We he's, got caught. You know, and I remember. Oh, this is a funny story to tell you. Actually, we got caught, and there it was. Ryan was with us, and I think the Vundabar guys were yeah, with us. Cool. And uh, and. And then there was a random straggler that just showed up. It was just a guy. We none of us <laughs> knew him, and he was only naked from the waist down. So we, <laughs> just dick we get out? caught. Everyone is dick out. <laughs> we get caught by this park ranger. Everyone's buck ass naked except for this one guy, and his like just his cock and balls just like hanging out right <laughs> underneath his shirt. And he's trying to have this conversation with the park ranger being like, come on, man, it's, you know, we're just having fun out here. And all of us were just like, holy shit, this guy, who is this? He's got his hands on his waist. He's got a t-shirt on, just dick and balls. Yeah, with authority. Yeah. You got to ask Ryan if I, he remembers I'm going to text him. I'm going to text him right when I get off the phone with you. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> Burlington is so wild. It's like, it really feels oh, like yeah. rainbow gathering. Kind of feels like upstate California, Oregon. You know, it's like it's where the hip. It's, you you might be right. Zombie apocalypse. I think that's where all everyone's going to go to. Oh yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. You know, they've got the farms, grass fed beef. You got like <laughs> a vegetable farm on every street corner, basically. And you know, you fit. Know. You but can, my favorite part of Vermont is when you go into the woods and you find all sorts of cool shit. It's like, I used to live in the Northeast kingdom and it's like really nice, beautiful little town. And it was where it was right next to Plainfield, Vermont, which is where the original bread and puppet. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with bread and puppet, but they were like a political puppet troupe that I think it started in New York and then they moved to Goddard college in, the, in kind of the middle of nowhere, Vermont. And you can, they're still up there in the Northeast kingdom. So you can go up there. They have these like giant puppet shows yeah. and circuses and all of these, you know, weirdo people like me have moved out to the woods. So you can go out there and somebody will have built like a, 
outdoor theater where they're putting on like Shakespeare plays every summer. And, you know, I, one time a friend told me about this bakery. It was called Bohemian Bakery. I, it's, I don't think it's there anymore, which is tragic, but it was a bakery that this couple started in their barn and they, the, the guy was like a trained Dutch baker. They come back, make this little bakery. It's only open for like three hours every Sunday. The best, just the best baked goods I've ever had. I love it. And they had this like Maserati of espresso makers out there. And so you could get your espresso and a, like fresh in the croissant woods? in the garden, in the woods. I'm telling so you, it's like sick. Uh, not advertised. There's so many things like that. You know, you just like wander around, you'll find something cool. We we used to play the Zen Barn a lot. Remember that? Zen Barn. Where's what town is that? Waterbury oh. or something? Waterbury? Waterbury, Vermont. Yeah, I wonder if that place is still there. We just yeah, we just we just uh, slept there when we played uh, Higher Ground. They they put us up at the Zen Barn. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I know that place. I know yeah, that place. I've never played there. It looks it's, beautiful though. Oh, it's beautiful in the woods. I mean, I loved it. Yeah, shout, let's shout out to Vermont. Let's fucking go, Vermont. Shout out, Vermont. Shout out to Vermont. Caroline, thanks for being... Oh, th- oh this is going to be a standing ovation. <laughs> thanks for uh, being uh, on the show. I really appreciate it. My final, 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 final question is, when it's all said and done, um, what do you want to be remembered by? Oh. Well, hopefully my songs outlive me, you know? I, I, I really hope, like, even if I had one song that outlived me i think that would be a success for me you know i i I love what i do and i feel like if i do it well i am i'm making something that could potentially move people Mm -hmm. and you know what better way to feel like you've done you've done something with your life than making people feel things right it's just like magical power right well, fuck, I'm, I'm thankful to be in existence where there's a Caroline Rose in existence. So thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, Andy. <sighs> to be continued, bud, um, go kick ass out there. Don't take any fucking, don't, no surrender, no suppression. When you feel like you're feeling don't like no shit, shit, don't take no shit from nobody, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Thanks, bud. You got have, it. Have a great Texas day. Texas way. Thanks for being part of the show. You too, man. Later, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. You tuned in to the World's Heavy Podcast with Andy Fresco. Thank you for listening to this episode. Produced by Andy Fresco, Joe Angelo, and Chris Lawrence. We need you to help us save the world and spread the word. Please subscribe, rate the show, give us those crazy stars. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're picking this shit up. Follow us on Instagram at World Saving Podcast for more info and updates. Fresco's blogs and tour dates you find at andyfresco.com. And check our socials to see what's up next. Might be a video dance party, a showcase concert, that crazy shit show, or whatever springs to Andy's wicked brain. And after a year of keeping clean and playing safe, the band is back on tour. We thank our brand new talent booker, Mara Davis. We thank this week's guest, our co-host, and all the fringy frenzies that help make this show great. Thank you all. And thank you for listening. Be your best, be safe, and we will be back next week. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast as far as we know. Any similarity to actual knowledge, facts or fact is purely coincidental.